Positive heads out there, thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. To help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the one who will be here with you each and every Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness change maker that is also out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can hear me discussing topics such as my favorite thought-provoking quotes, reading and discussing wisdom from empowering books, playing clips from various inspirational spiritual teachers, sharing a bit of mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and essentially digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you into positive vibrations on a consistent basis. And you guys have heard me say that if I ever run ads on the show, it will only be with a company that I fully support because I believe their intention is to make a positive difference in the world. Well, I'm pleased to announce that day has arrived and that this episode of the Positive Head podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads on this week's interview episode, I'm very happy to have Noah Lampert here with me on the show. Noah is definitely a man after my own heart. Not only is Noah a podcaster, but his show is dedicated to examining the subtle realities that connect us all and is called Synchronicity. Hey there, Noah. Welcome to the show, my friend. (laughs) Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you know, I'm maybe a little bit mad that you sto- stole my uh, the name of my podcast. What I wanted to call it? No, just kidding. <laughs> you can As my listeners my know, yeah, 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 exactly. As my listeners know, I'm such a nerd for good stories of synchronicity, and of course, that's a, sort of a go-to question. Um, I have a few canned questions that I always ask, and that is one of them. You know, for all my guests, give me a, a juicy story of synchronicity. So you better have something good, or you. <laughs> No oh, pressure. I don't, even, I don't even know what synchronicity is. I just like the yeah. word. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have plenty of examples of synchronicity in my life. Uh, one of the reasons, I mean, truthfully, the real reason I named the show that um, my wife came up with the name knowing that I'm a big Carl Jung fan. Um, and, mm. you know, he popularized the term. He didn't really coin it, but he popularized it way back yeah. when. Um, and I have always found the word to have you know, special meaning in my life because there's been points where they're, um, you know, 
punctuated singular incidents of synchronicity. Um, and then there's also been experiences where those synchronicities seemingly merge into each other over an extended period of time. The multi-leveled layered <laughs> onion that keeps on peeling. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, what's cool about it is, as you know, when you ask people questions related to synchronicity, um, the layers just get deeper and deeper and can extend over really long periods of time, you know, even before, yeah. long before we were born, um, which is always right. a fascinating thing to me. It's atemporal, so it's not based in time. So what, am I supposed to give you a synchronicity? I can give you. Well, I got, I got. well you know what? <laughs> Why don't you hold that for a moment? Yeah. Um, hold those stories, and I'll take as many as you got, by the way. But uh, <laughs> let's start. Uh, what I'd like to do before we, we dig into all that juiciness is get a little bit uh, of your back. Well, okay, so I always typically start with the same question. Okay. You're in an elevator. You got 10 floors to answer. The guy next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? What do you say? Uh, normalizing, uh, quote unquote, spiritual concepts that otherwise people wouldn't be talking about. That's my passion. Ah, I like that. I definitely can relate <laughs> to that one. Um, okay, well, tell us a little bit. How does one end up in uh, with that as their passion? What's what's the background? What's, what's going on here? Who's Noah? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> You're still trying well, to figure that one out yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something I don't have totally pinned down. I mean, in, in a relatively <laughs> roundabout way. I mean, you know, the side answer to that question, too, is I'm extremely passionate about music. And that has kind of been um, like a guiding compass that has put me in um, situations where I was able to learn um, and be around people who, you know, were interested in inner development. Um, so mm -hmm. I think the more you hang around with people who are earnestly and authentically trying to do that, the more it kind of creeps in and becomes your driving passion as it has in my case. Um, and I also just like to qualify it, like, I don't want to be too highfalutin about it either. Like, you know, that's a kind of a right. weird ostentatious answer to the, the elevator question. It's like, well, what do you mean normalizing quote unquote spiritual concept? I'm already putting, you know, air quotes in this stuff. And I really do think <laughs> you know, it, it comes down to having practical benefits, as you know, like that's, that to me is where, um, you know, the magic meets the reality. And I think, you know, the more people, um, are talking and engaging and thinking, um, and being aware of some of these things, um, which I'm alluding to very secretly. Um, I think that's <laughs> a good thing. So that's, that's why I would say, you know, it's kind of my passion. It's, it's not something I wake up and like think that's my mantra every day. And I'm sure like another answer to that question I could have given is like, depends which day and which elevator. But right. I do, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I do think that that is generally kind of the underlying current is, you know, we can talk about things like death, synchronicity, life, consciousness, awareness, you know, suffering, surrender, all of these things like regularly and have them in our lexicon and being able to approach, be able to approach them. That's a good thing. So that's why I settled on that as my ostentatious answer. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been, uh, sort of, uh, going down this path of, uh, you know, exploring the, the mysteries, so to speak. Yeah. Another good question. I mean, it feels like truthfully for my entire life from when I can remember, um, you know, just, <sighs> doing different thought experiments and perceiving the world as a young kid, you know, all the way up to where I am now, you know, including the psychedelic days and, you know, things have had a way of kinding, 
of finding me, it feels like a lot of the time, like, you know, a book will appear at the right time. You know, a person will tell me about something at the perfect time and not just related to, you know, spiritual concepts, but just like music or art or anything. And in a lot of the cases, it feels um, distinctly like remembering rather than learning or gaining or, you know, getting something from out there. So, you know, to that sense, like, you know, as long as I've been aware of the intuitive faculties, you know, that exist in all of us, especially in myself, like, I think probably, you know, long before I was born, but I, you know, it's been with me most of my life as well. Yeah. How long have you been doing uh, your podcast? Only a couple of years, a little over a couple, you know, actually not even a couple of years, close to two Mm. years at the end of this one. Um, And man, that is... I'm like two years, like right now. It's like, I think it was this week. I I looked at my first review the other day and it was, it was a negative review. (laughs) It was like, this is a hack. And it was like, it was like May 19th. And I think we're recording this as the 17th. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I, those negative... I'm still hacking away. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, I gotta say for a hack, man, you're pretty dedicated to do this. I mean, and you do it a lot. I mean... Like, you know, podcasting is, it's just, I was talking about this, about someone else we're going to be adding to MindPod Network, and it really is such an interesting practice, both creatively, um, intrapersonally, relationally. It's just, it's so interesting. And being on both sides of it, like right now I have the pleasure of being a guest, but you know, when you're on the flip side, it's a whole other dynamic and it really just teaches you a lot. I think about listening and other things that I don't think I would have picked up otherwise. So I love it, man. I love it too. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, suits me and my desire to explore these topics and to sort of get things off of my chest. I mean, if I, you know, going back to my first episode, it's like, I'm doing this so that my poor friends and family can, you know, I can stop their ears from bleeding (laughs) from me, you know, just berating them with all this information. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely an outlet. And, uh, I was talking to a friend this weekend who is very passionate about, you know, his perspectives on the ultimate nature of reality and consciousness and what we're here to do. And he's just so lit up with it. And then his girlfriend got uh, sort of agitated with him. And, you know, he's like, oh, she's, she's a little agitated. I'm not giving her attention. He's like, but she doesn't understand, like being able to have this conversation with someone, you know, as me and another friend, he's like, it's like therapy for me. It's like this release that I need to get out because, you know, and I started thinking about it. I was like, man, I can really relate to that. It's like when you're wired, it's like what you came here to do. And it's, if you don't, it's, it's, you're not fulfilling. It's like this bottled up energy that you have to release in some way. And I think that's hard for some people to understand, uh, freaks like us. (laughs) No, it's, I, I, you know, I think as hard as it may be for some people, it's not hard for a lot of people because I think whatever that energy you're describing there, whether it's talking about, you know, conversation, you know, topics and metaphysical things and spiritual things or whatever it is, intellectual, um, you know, that same type of energy um, builds up in everyone in varying degrees. And some people let it off, um, you know, through drugs, through, um, you know, meditation, there's any number of ways to kind of do that. And I'm beginning to realize, at least for me, you know, with the podcasting taught me this, I'm a musician as well, but I never put out work, creative work musically on a regular basis. But with the podcast, I do. And seeing how that consistency 
creatively release that energy, what you're talking about really yeah. has been just such a catalyst for so many other aspects of my life. And I think that's a lot of the dysfunction and disharmony that's in the world here is from that energy that you're describing, not mm. having proper outlets. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't just have to be about the stuff we're talking about. If you're into right. like, you know, cars or dinosaurs or whatever, like that could be it. But that communication, that creative communication is, is really important. Um, for people to express. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you make an excellent point. I think of my own brother who we're two years apart in age. We've always been very close in our whole lives, business partners. And, you know, mm. uh, we, we have definitely our differences and in interests and so forth at this point in our life, but you know, we're, we're still very close. And, uh, you know, I think of the difference between us, you know, I am someone who lets it all out. I don't hold anything <laughs> close to my chest. It's like, it just, for, for better or for worse, it's coming out. And he's someone who is very empathic and very, you know, I'm a, I'm a Leo, he's a cancer. So, you know, just yeah. the differences there. And he keeps it very close to him and it sort of bottles up and, and has trouble processing energies around him. He takes them all on. And yeah. as a result, it's caused, you know, anxiety and heart palpitations and, you know, different anxiety attacks at different times. Whereas I have none of that. And I think it's a, you know, you can see the difference in, um, just the way we're wired sort of benefits me that I, I let it all out. And I think that's important for everyone to, to do. If you're bottling anything up, good or bad, it's, it's, you know, it's yeah. meant to sort of flow through you. And, uh, oh, I think for some of us, it's naturally easier than others though, too. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. I'm a cancer. Um, oh, okay. but I, no, I consider myself an extroverted introvert. Um, oh, that's I right. Mean, Your birthdays are a day apart. I remember we talked yeah. about birthdays because you, so you like, fall in my family birthday week where I attract so many people that are within this week and four <laughs> out of five family members. And right when you and I were first talking, I was like, oh, your, your birthday, your birthday week, uh, material. No wonder we're, we have so many similarities. So I have a synchronicity for you. Um, I just like hung out with my neighbor. We just moved here a few months ago and we hung out really for the first time last night. And uh -huh. his birthday is, I think, July 24th. So within the range. I'm uh, the 20th. That's my mom's. Yeah. My mom and is so the 24th. I remember there was one of them that was on that date. So, you know, that, that yep. period <laughs> of the time is very interesting. And like, as you know, at least I'm not totally well-versed in astrology and astrological concepts, but Cancer and Leo are next to each other. You know, there's, yep. I'm the 20th. Cusp. So I'm kind You're of right close there, yeah. to the cusp of the Leo. Yep. Exactly. And my mom is the 25th who's firmly mm. in Leo. So yeah, I, uh, I know yeah, what you yeah, mean, yeah. but back to the point of, of being able to express or, you know, the, the, really that is such a crucial thing. And I think bottling that up or pushing it away or grasping onto it in a weird way too, um, is just a, a very destructive act that a lot of us, including myself, don't even realize that we're doing unconsciously. Like to us, it just may right. feel like something's a little bit off or like I'm uh, having right. a cranky day or how dare that person. But it really is that energy release. And then also learning how to release it in a way that's productive for you right. and the people around you. That's the other component. Because if you just like, you know, if your way of releasing energy is punching people in the face and you don't have like a disciplined MMA <laughs> practice or something, you're an asshole. Don't do that. That's like my so. brother. He could hold it in, hold it on, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he he blows up and you're like, whoa, where did that I come do, from? You know? I do that too. Yeah, I do that yeah. too. That's such a cancerian, cancerian thing. It's yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's a horrible trait. Wow. Yeah. So your mom's the 25th, you said. So I have a yeah. very significant ex-partner who led to 
two relationships actually that I met on my birthday, the 28th, and she's the 25th. So, whoa, it's like so much overlap. And then I have someone who's now staying with me who's the 31st. I've connected with someone who I was actually referencing earlier with the girlfriend is the 30th. So it's like, it's just so much in that week. It's wild. What a trip. I love it. (laughs) Energy is a funny, funny thing, especially when you start, of course, connecting the dots and really paying attention. And the more you pay attention, the more you see. And of course, that's the whole concept of synchronicity. And yes. um, I was listening to one of your, uh, I forget who you were t- talking to. I was listening to one of your recent episodes and he was talking about how synchronicity being sort of the jumping off point. I want to say maybe it was the Jason Louv guy. He, oh, yeah, uh, he was talking about how synchronicity is sort of a jumping off point for people to who are waking up to you know, these, yes. uh, these ideas and, and, uh, it, it really is once you start paying attention, it gets, I mean, this is, this is great that your, your podcast is synchronicity and we have like so much going on right out of the gate figuring out. Well, you know, the quote, the Carl Jung quote, synchronicity is an ever present reality for those who have eyes to see. And that mm. truthfully is, I have had that sentiment and thought and quote backed up with direct experience. And yeah. that is to say, if we were all knowing and omnipresent and omni knowing of everything, we would experience everything as one giant synchronicity. We would see how everything is interconnected, not just conceptually, right. but actually. But when you have these synchronicities, which I love you to, you know, it's the jumping off point. Like when something is just like way too weird, right? And it's yeah. just like doesn't fit within your concept of reality. You always have the choice of brushing it off. Some right. of us, like you know, myself included, who maybe need a more um, you know direct pointing out of things, when they just start happening nonstop, you eventually have to just be like, okay, what's what's going on here? Like, is what really is? How is this stuff happening? Because this is too weird. Um, right. And then I think, like you said, once you start probing, whatever you want to call the mystery is collective unconscious, God, energy, being. You know, there's many different perspectives Source. to look at it through. Yes, source, exactly. You know, once you start probing, you're going to get a reaction. It's how everything works. And, you know, it's a good idea, I think, generally, although not necessary, have some idea of, you know, the uh, metaphysical properties at play here. So Because I've definitely poked around um, with the unconscious, the collective unconscious, um, to promote, provoke certain results. And sure enough... I didn't know what I was doing. I would start getting really weird dreams. They would start crossing over into reality. Crazy shit would start happening. I wouldn't feel that I had a tremendous amount of control over it. But when you learn how to approach some of this stuff with a little more awareness and clarity, then it can actually really be a pretty amazing thing, Um, especially for working through which are issues that we have, which we all have. Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which we're all here to uh, work yes. through, I would say, in general. Agreed. It's sort of the, yeah. Yes, I agree with that. So, But it's so nice to have those, you know, this other layer of, of sort of uh, assistance, if you will. Once you start paying attention to the pattern, you know, pattern recognition and taking it to another level, noticing the synchronicities, noticing the connection between people and energies coming into your life. It's, it's a wonderful thing to start sort of have that um that tool to to rely on it's like hmm well there's a lot of uh, a lot of things pointing the arrow this direction follow the breadcrumbs right yes so what you're talking about i'm releasing an episode today um that is with this dude jerry brown who wrote a book with his wife called the psychedelic gospels 
um, oh. which essentially very empirically and very rigorously from an academic standpoint um, makes a pretty compelling case that Amarita, Muscaria, and psilocybin um, were fundamental in the forming of Christianity and Jesus in particular. Oh, wow. and, and they don't just do this from like some like high, you know, like hippie. Yeah, man. Like this is how it was. Like, they go to like George Rosco. Washington took mushrooms, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> exactly. No, they go to like Roslyn Chapel. They go all over Europe, all over the Mediterranean and find imagery like distinct down to the genus and like specific thing that this stuff is embedded in this imagery. It's, it's amazing. But the reason I bring it up is Wow. He pointed out, because this is such a crazy thing to talk about, like what Jesus was doing mushrooms and like that's mm -hmm. where this compassionate wave of wisdom. And I've had some mushroom experiences that certainly align and validate that for me. But from an academic right. standpoint, this guy is a professor. This guy is not some, you know, weirdo out here just like coming up with theories on his own after he took right. some ass sometime. He right. <laughs> basically had a vested interest in proving this, but what was really a big validator for him and his wife as they kind of stepped off this cliff into this crazy unknown territory is how many synchronicities started popping up and the way they described wow. those as clear validators that they were on right. the right path. And that to me is wow. a very practical function of synchronicity rather than just like some phenomenon phenomenon like, whoa, what the fuck was that? It's like there right. is a practical function for this stuff too. Right. Wow. Yeah, you've you've uh, definitely uh, had some some cool guests. I, I need to go through and <laughs> and look at a few. That sounds like one of them to invite on this show because that sounds like an absolutely fascinating topic of discussion. Insane. insane. I look so insane. I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. So uh, see, I was listening to one of your episodes. Uh, like I said, I listened to a few uh, yesterday, and uh, I was listening to the one. Uh, oh, what's his name? It's maybe Todd. I can't remember. If, I should have written it down. Um, but he was talking, the astrology guy, and he was talking about oh, uh, Saturn Adam, return. Adam, yeah. Adam, Adam, Adam. Adam. Yeah, yeah, he was really good too. And it, it was funny because he was talking about the the idea of Saturn return and, you know, how the seven-year uh, mark. And it's yes. funny because with my with my business, um, my you know, I have a travel company. It's exactly seven years right now. <laughs> and there's some really interesting things happening. And I was listening to that and he was saying, yeah, you know, it can, it's sort of like the trophy year. It's like, like you can look and see, you know, what have you accomplished? Where, where is it? What, what's this sort of next jumping off point? And I was like, he started talking about seven years. I started thinking, hmm, how long ago was that? And I looked, I was like, oh my gosh, it is seven years. Like right now It's two years right now with the podcast, but seven <laughs> years with that. So I, I, it's pretty, pretty interesting, um, you know, interesting thought. And it was a very interesting conversation you guys had. Yeah, I mean, what I liked about that particular one is that we really delved into this concept of the music of the spheres and how these planets um, right. and celestial bodies really create these patterns that are observable. Um, and if you believe in certain energetic principles, it's not just like, oh, well, I'm a Cancer, I'm like this. Oh, you're a Leo, you're like this. But there is a very sophisticated way of looking at um, the celestial bodies to glean information about times and uh, all of this stuff to me really boils down to in some way the concept of time and number, um, which I think is a big archetype. Like number has, you know, Marie-Louise mm -hmm. Lafranz, a translator of Carl Jung, um, has stated, and she was a proponent of the idea that number is like one of the primordial archetypes. You know, that's sure. something that we can use to latch onto that reveals itself to us, not only in synchronicity, but just in a variety of ways. 
and kind of getting to the energetic principles behind number and astrology. Right. Like that's fascinating. I, I really don't know a ton about astrology. Like I just, yeah, I, I don't know either. The I know the basics. Basic. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, Jyotish, which is the Vedic astro- astrological stuff. I had a reading done um, a few years ago, the only astrology reading I've, I've ever had. And that yeah. was one of the eeriest spot on. And they use the lunar wow. cycle. So it's all based right. on the moon, which is a much oh, more wow. rapid and like fine-tuned cycle. And I just find that stuff to be like, they're yeah. all templates and maps of the terrain. And if you can use any of them consciously and mindfully, like, oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> like, that's like, why wouldn't yeah. we use these things? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I find it all very fascinating. I'm certainly no expert on any of it, but um, I had a friend introduce <laughs> me hit, uh, to, it's sort of a combination of astrology and numerology, uh, destiny cards. Have you, have you ever seen uh, destiny card readings? Two card readings that I had never heard about before. Um, uh-huh. I just heard about the past month. One is the destiny cards, which I don't of know course. a lot about. And one are the, me too, uh, the last month. Cards. Okay. Yeah, now I'm not familiar with Oracle cards. Oracle cards right, right. are essentially coming up with your own symbols for tarot. So you basically create your own cards that you then oh, use I like for that. divination. Pretty cool. Ooh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> what are very destiny cool. cards? No, I, I want to know destiny, more about that. <clears throat> destiny is like um, basically taking the, the 52 cards of you know, a, a normal uh, card deck. And each yeah, birthday, yeah. you know, has its own uh special card or you know it's like sort of like it's sun sign like i'm the king of hearts so you could be anything you know anything that you could be a six of diamonds you could be a and um and then it has like sort of the subs the sub cards you know your karma card and a few others that are you know less significant i suppose uh than your your primary birth card but um yeah it's like a combination of you know numerology astrology and it's it's pretty interesting my uh my friend kind of turned me on to them and so, uh, I, yeah, I find all those things uh, very, very fascinating. Haven't really studied and become an expert by any means in any of it, but, uh, right. you know, it's it's a pretty interesting. So, yeah, you should, you should check it out. You can go and, you know, of course, Google and find pretty quickly what yours is and uh, see, see yeah, how accurate I it definitely seems. Get, I like the idea of divination. Um, it's one of the things yeah, I enjoy I about too. the I Ching. And I'm, again, I'm not a master of the I Ching um, at all, but, you know, I understand certain principles, but the way that, um, you know, the Chinese especially relate to number, uh, like I, I told a story on one of the episodes of Synchronicity that has always stuck with me. And there mm-hmm. was an ancient roundtable discussion um, between a, a province, a Chinese emperor and a warring province next uh, basically next door, you know, then they were deciding uh-huh. whether they should go to battle. So they, they took a vote and the vote was six to three to go to war. So they decided mm. not to go to war. And the reason they decided not to go to war is because three was a more auspicious number for harmony than six was. So Beautiful. they chose the significance, the qualitative significance of three as the more important value structure, which, you know, for us in the West on the decimal system, that makes no fucking sense. It's like, what? Right, right, people, right. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Logic here. Like, what are you doing? Um, but there are different ways of relating to all this stuff and divination, whether it's destiny cards, you know, yarrow sticks with the I Ching or whatever you're going to use, you know, numerology, just yeah. popping open a ran- numerology, gematria, you know, popping open a random page in a book and seeing if it speaks to you, these speak to mm. these situations that penetrate kind of the veil of time and space, which I think is always accessible to us if we know kind of how to interpret it. 
and I think a prerequisite, not a prerequisite, but something that helps with this is like you have to clear those goggles that a lot of us have on that might be covered right. with shit. If you can't see clearly, right. it's hard to use a lot of these um, things because you might just be doing confirmation bias. You might just be, you know, hoping, you know, the eeny, meeny, miny, mo, making sure you start on the right one so you end up with the right, you know, person. So, you know, I do think all of these things have tremendous value um, if we understand kind of the energetic principles behind them. Absolutely, yeah. It's, um... It's definitely a, a, quite the rabbit hole once you uh, opt to go down it. <laughs> <That's> and, <okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, your uh, your network that you're putting together, which uh, I'm excited okay. to uh, join and participate. The MindPod Network. Yeah, man. Um, MindPod Network is a very interesting, fun, rewarding, fulfilling frustrating, difficult, <laughs> happy thing. I mean, it's, it's everything that I think. Are you describing life? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it really is. I mean, that's what it feels like. I mean, essentially, as you know, um, it's a podcast network of thinkers, creatives, um, you know, artists who are talking about a lot of the things we're talking about in this conversation, but from a variety of different perspectives. So right. there's, you know, comedic perspective, uh, artist perspective, a technology perspective, a layman's perspective, um, all of these, a Buddhist perspective, all of these different ways to kind of circumambulate the same thing, but from different ways. And, you know, we, the real idea behind it is to curate and get a really great group of people together who are trying to, you know, improve the lives of those around them. Um, and whether that means directly in their life, which it certainly does, or extends out to, you know, on online and podcasts and right. other places, um, really forming a web and community here of people who I think can approach this stuff in a way that doesn't feel like forced either. In the same way that we're naturally having a conversation about this, you put out this little beacon and if people want to tune into it, they will. They don't have to. Right. It's not like you have to right. join this thing and do that thing. Right. So right, right. that's that's essentially what MindPod Network is. And I'm, you know, it 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 has gone through uh, several different incarnations in its relatively short lifespan since the November of 2014. But right now, I couldn't be happier with like the people, yourself included, who are a part of the team. And you know, we're we're really trying to turn it into something that um, serves a lot of people. Yeah. I, I love the idea. I love the content that you've curated. Uh, it's definitely, if you guys, uh, any of you liking the show, I assume most of you like the show since you're listening, um, <laughs> definitely check out MindPod network. Positive head is going to be, uh, joining up and actually probably by the time this comes out, uh, you'll see positive head shows on there. And how, how many different podcasts, uh, are affiliated <laughs> now? That is a wonderful question. I think by the nope. end of May, we're going to be up to 15. I think right wow. now we're at 12 or 13. We just added two this week. Adam, who you mentioned uh, with his Exploring ah. Astrology podcast, he was just added. He's been podcasting, by the way, since 2008. It's like, oh, oh wow. Whoa. Way Adam Rowan? Um, uh, Sommer. Adam Sommer. Oh, oh the one name. you just, oh, the astrology guy. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, the oh, astrology okay, dude. So we just added him. We added another um, awesome female lady, wonderful person, Ellie Aaron, um, which I'm really happy about. And we're actually adding some other women um, coming up. We're trying to make it as diverse as possible. We don't want this yeah. to just turn into 
you know, boys the same club. thing you would see all the time. Yeah, the boys club, the white boys club at that too. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right, totally. I definitely don't help with that aim then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there's a whole, I got into a great conversation with a cab driver from the Bronx the other day when I was going back um, home and we just, I don't know how we got into it, but we were just talking about like race relations and epigenetics and like a 15 minute cab ride. And I was mm-hmm. telling him, you know, like no bones about it. Like I'm a white guy who is afforded mm. tremendous, a middle-class family, a tremendous amount of privileges, access, things that other yep. people just don't get. Um, and I use that not as something to feel bad about and be like, Oh fuck, mm-hmm. you know, like that's fucked mm-hmm. up, but to be like, okay, mm-hmm. let's use this run with this torch to talk about shit. That's actually important regardless of race and gender, you know, be open to as many different things as possible and like use the mantle and kind of the, the platform to like change that. So I, we don't right. have an inordinate amount of control. So I, you know, do view it as the privilege that it is and, you know, want to use it as a, as kind of a, a means to help other people yeah. who don't look like me. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really, uh, excellent point. You know, you have people sometimes who really get hung up, uh, on sort of what's wrong with the world. And there's so much to focus on if we want to focus on what's wrong with the world. And certainly you or I aren't going to be able to relate to some of the struggles, uh, that, so many go through without the privilege that we've experienced. Um, but you know, if we focus only on, you know, like you said, like, Oh man, I should feel bad about this. You know, I think there's a, uh, Esther Hicks, Abraham, uh, has a quote, uh, I pulled up here. You can't get sick enough to help sick people get better. You can't get poor enough to help poor people thrive. It's only in your thriving that you have anything to offer anyone. And so I think you have the right idea. How do I leverage this ridiculous system that is thankfully uh, getting new light shed on it? How do I help shed more light on it? How do I, you know, help to break down any of those barriers? Uh, I don't know if you've seen, I love this, uh, it kind of went viral clip here in the last few weeks of a a white supremacist on this uh, talk show. And, you know, I I didn't recognize the host, but a black woman. And and then there was another woman there as a guest who was in the, you know, kind of the traditional African garb. And uh, so you had the two, you know the two uh, opposing factions you have the white supremacist and this african woman and they do a dna test on the on the I white supremacist this, yes. guy oh it's so <laughs> funny i love it i just Amazing. love the woman's laugh how how the, the the that you know the one woman is just cackling like when they it's return his dna funny. results he's like 15 percent, you know african and she's like oh what's up brother <laughs> it's so good so funny i mean and it's just really i mean talking about the ridiculousness of, you know, the race being something that would define people and actually something that really, you know, plays. Yeah. I mean, like we're all so much more interconnected than we would ever possibly imagine. And anything that you're going to be doing out there to someone else, that's not cool. Realize Mm -hmm. you're just doing it to yourself. And it's right. You may not see the exact chain of events or circumstances that prove that but know that it's true. Like there's no, that's literally how it works. And, um, you know, there's no escaping it either. So it is ridiculous that these things and, you know, back to the MindPod network thing, we're trying to, you know, really make sure that we honor as many voices as we can. Um, you know, because it's like, we want this to be, we don't want it just to be as many perspectives as possible from people who are like this. That doesn't make sense. That's not what we're talking about. So, 
that is kind of a big uh, focus of ours is when I say normalizing this shit, I mean for everyone, you know, theoretically. Right. And we'll, we'll scale it up as we can, but really we want this to be universally accessible. Yeah, that's a wonderful uh, aim to keep, you know, sort of foundationally as you're building it out and as it continues to thrive and grow. Uh, I think that's a, a very important piece to, to consider and, and build into it. All right. Well, now seems like a good moment to take a quick minute to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I've ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting this podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting the show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. Just to give you an example, on the show Missing Links, the incredible researcher Greg Braden explores all the biggest questions concerning who we are, where we come from, where we're going, by connecting the missing links between science and spirituality to complete our understanding of humanity's history and to better understand the interconnectedness of all things. Awesome, right? And that's just one example. As you guys constantly hear me say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, you're not going to believe this. So Brandon knows that I moved to the garage to escape a bee that was in my office. <laughs> is it now? now is it bee. now? I don't, I mean, if this is the same bee, fuck this bee. But if it's not, <laughs> then I just think there's bees all over the place. But it's not wow. really giving me a hard time. But if you do at any point hear me, Spaz scream out and like scream a little girl. Around. That's what that is. Not not just an episode I'm having. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Yeah, I'm not, so not going to run. It, yeah. So before we start recording, he's like, "Okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of a baby. There's a bee uh, in you know where I normally record, so I moved to my garage. So if there's you know if it sounds a little different, and uh, now it's stalking you. Uh, I and of course I made the the not so funny joke. I'm like, well, my initials are BBB, so you're not really escaping too much. And you gave me the the uh, the very pleasant uh, haha. So <laughs> you, I, in uh, my mind. What this really is, truthfully, what this is, is me manifesting a bee in front of me so I can confront a fear of like, fear, it's a bee. Right. It doesn't get any, and while he's just you're recording out and, and right, while so you're I recording, so you need to be on right. point and really focused and right. yeah. <laughs> well no i'm glad to participate in your uh in moving through your fears here live and direct yes, for everyone to be a part of <laughs> we'll see how uh, i react <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly if you get stung and then you go into shock or something then uh, we're gonna all feel really uh, bad <laughs> just do me a favor if that happens put this out as soon as possible so people can get like the full experience like he's still in the hospital this is still yeah. going on <laughs> uh, so so Noah, what are, okay why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about i i love um 
you know, like I said, looking at some of your past guests, you've had some really, really great guests, some of which I would I would like to uh, look at bringing on this show. Oh, yes. um, why don't you give um, give us some ideas? And I know this is kind of a tough question, but some of your favorite guests or, or at least ones oh, that yeah. uh, st- stick out, things that you learned, things that you talked about. Totally. Give us a little um, insight you know, t- into the, the, the Synchronicity uh, podcast Cliff Notes. I love this. Um, well, you know, I do have a tendency for the more recent ones to be excited for those. I mentioned the Jerry Brown one, which will be out, you know, by the time people are hearing this. Um, that's right. a very cool one. One that really stands out in my mind. Um, well, there's a few, but one uh, I did with John F. Simon Jr., who is an artist based in Sugarloaf, New York. He was a pioneer in the digital arts um, realm in the 90s, Mm. but has an excellent book called Drawing Your Own Path, which is basically a guidebook on how to use drawing as a mindfulness and awareness practice. Um, And it's incredibly good. It's really just like an amazing method for tapping creativity as an awareness practice. Um, and that conversation that we have in the episode, I think is like, that's the nexus of what it's about. So that one for me wow. in my life, um, you know, really holds a special practical importance. And I just think he's like the coolest dude. Um, right. another one that I really, really enjoy is with, uh, Lama Somo, who is a Tibetan Buddhist teacher based in Montana. Um, and she has a, uh, an organization called Namchak and she wrote a book called why is the Dalai Lama always smiling? And it's one of the most practical and wise and easy to read books. That's kind of an intro and a little bit more into specific Tibetan Buddhist practices, but in a way that's like just so practical and relatable. I mean, she's a Westerner. She's a woman um, who grew up here and she just has an incredible way of communicating what's going on. And I just found that conversation to be really, really awesome. There's so many others. A lot of the recent ones in the 80s, um, a real treat for me, not the most spiritual per se, because they're not all like that, but I got to interview Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric, um, who are just you know comedic legends to me in terms of how mm. brilliant and hilarious and how much their stuff resonates. So that was a real treat. I really enjoy that one. But man, like, I, I am hard. Truth, here's the honest truth. I have maybe like three or four that I've recorded over the couple of these couple of years that I haven't put out. And those are the only ones that I didn't really, really love. Like anything that right. goes out, like I a hundred percent stand by. Um, and you know, like you, like are we oscillate between what we're particularly interested in at any given time? Um, so, you know, the themes will change over episodes, um, you know, magic and astrology over the past five or 10 or so or have been recurrent themes. But, you know, there's been stretches where it's psychedelics and Buddhism and all these different things. So it's hard for me to pick. They're like kids. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. Those, totally. those episodes in particular, really, they always stand out for me as like ones that I love. Oh, and David Nick turns, I'll say uh, uh, teacher in the Shambhala lineage in New York very successful and accomplished and talented musician, but also grew up in Chogyam Trungpa's um, Shabala tradition at Naropa and oh, just wow. basically wrote a hit song called Midnight at the Oasis and basically, you know, gave up all of the glory of being a successful musician to follow this particular lineage, but then found a beautiful way of synthesizing them, which to me is like, that's the coolest fucking thing. So that one also is really oh, right. good too. I'm not familiar. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that lineage? Like, what what does that entail? Oh, 
Oh yeah, man. Um, so Chogyam Trungpa was a Tibetan Buddhist teacher um, who familiar came familiar with him, here. but I don't know a lot about like I don't know a whole lot about him other than you know the Shambhala. names and quotes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he is just super fucking cool. There's a lot of pictures that are confusing about him. His behaviors were very atypical. There's an excellent documentary if you want to just get like a quick primer um, called Crazy Wisdom, which really encapsulates okay. what this dude was about. He eventually died of alcohol poisoning. He was an alcoholic. He was a womanizer by mm. all accounts, had very interesting, you know, not traditional relationships with people, but um, was very upfront about all of it and was also respected and honored as one of the greatest Dharma teachers ever. So a very, he's someone who firmly falls in the realm of the trickster, right? And this is a very right, interesting right. character, mythology, um, and they're not stupid, you know, like Loki in Norse mythology isn't like some bumbling idiot, stupid right. person who maybe is afraid of movies now, but like, like very this was a, a key cog in the mechanisms of the world turning. So that's kind of who Chogyam Trungpa was. He founded a school in Colorado called Naropa, um, which is still active to this day, and also a lineage of Tibetan Buddhism, which he was a multi-lineage multi holder. There's a lot of different schools. I think there, there might be five in Tibetan Buddhism, mm. all very detailed. I mean, one of the appeal appealing aspects, I think, to a lot of Westerners of Buddhism is there's they, they have lists upon lists and details. It is a very empirical contemplative science. It's not just like some esoteric thing that people tap into. It, they're right. very rigorous about how they orally pass certain things down and lineages. But Shambhala essentially translates to like uh, a utopian community. And right. it's yeah, yeah. interesting um, to, that's essentially the, the idea. Some, some global society or a society that is able to, you know, co-evolve in harmony with everything around them for the best interests of themselves, which is to alleviate suffering for all sentient beings. Um, that right. was what Chogyam Trungpa essentially set up. Um, yeah, he's one of the most quotable people, has <laughs> incredible books like, um, cutting through spiritual materialism, which is really an important book. And, I don't know that it ever won't be another book specifically geared for towards Westerners um, called work, sex, money, you know, because a hmm. lot of the time when we're talking about this stuff, you know, esoteric concepts, um, you know, concepts like compassion, kindness, generosity, all these things, we can get really enticed by these idealistic kind of versions of what this stuff looks like. And in reality, there is no difference between the shitty experience you had with that guy on the road the other day and the most blissed out, amazing awareness experience you're having. So being right. able to have both of those things um, be addressed, I think is paramount. And also just recognizing this is something as Westerners we don't like to hear, but we cannot approach many of these Eastern philosophies and wisdom traditions with the same psychology and psyche as someone who is steeped and grew up with them, especially when we're talking about something like Tibetan Buddhism, which is a particularly isolated area right, of right. the world. Like they, the Chinese didn't get in there until like the forties, you know what I mean? Like this, they right. were totally in this. So for us, and this is something bubble. again, Carl Jung, not to get too off track. Yeah. A bubble. We always approach things from our, from where we came from. And that doesn't mean we can't learn all there is to learn about things, but knowing that we're coming from our own perspective and we can't really ever can't replace us for six years. That. Exactly. Um, that's an important thing. And I think, you know, Chogyam Trungpa specifically was very good at, um, 
you know, bridging the gap between what we go through as Westerners in our, you know, material lives and some of these concepts which are transcendent. So someone I love very, very much. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to, uh, I'll definitely check out uh, this documentary. That's the probably easiest Crazy way to get wisdom. a download. Yeah, cool. The easiest way. And then, yeah, the book's also amazing. Very, very cool. So you uh, you mentioned that you've had a lot of conversations about uh, magic on your podcast recently. That's a um, <laughs> yeah. That's a good topic. Uh, what what did you what did you glean from those conversations? T- tell us something uh, interesting and magical. Well, I mean, I think just by talking about something is magic, and there's two different ways of there's magic with a K. <clears throat> Um, at the end right. of it, which Jason, the Jason Louve episode is very much about. Um, and this is using things like sigils and certain ritualistic practices to actually fundamentally change reality by changing mm. our own internal alchemy and consciousness, which I think is really what magic is. Um, when people talk about magic just with a C, I think it has a variety of different meanings, but it usually is something that falls within the metaphysical or paranormal or synchronicity kind of areas. And I think by using a term that is relatively understandable to even like a child, um, it gives you kind of a, a template or a launching off point to talk about some of these more, you know, woo woo things that maybe they are woo woo, but they still kind of exist. So I right. love that, you know, magic kind of loosens those boundaries, those liminal boundaries between, you know, logic and reason and kind of mystery which is where, where magic lives, you know? Absolutely. Well, speaking of, uh, magic, uh, perhaps it's a good time to hear some magical stories. Uh, some, (laughs) I, you better have a synchronicity story (laughs) or you're fired. (laughs) Well, I mean, dude, I have any number of ones to choose from one that always sticks out to me in my mind. Um, that I couldn't shake if I wanted to is in 2004-ish, I think. My chronology is a little weird here. I was at the Omega Institute, um, which is about 15 minutes away from where I live. It's in upstate New York. A lot of different teachers and people go and speak there. It's a beautiful campus. And I was there for Mm -hmm. a sound healing class that my mom was like, you should go to this. I was like, okay. So I went and I checked it out and it was really, it was with this dude, Tom Kenyon, who is speaking of woo woo, he's out there, but also just totally (laughs) practical, had an amazing experience. Um, but there's a library there that's called the Ramdas Library. And I didn't know who Ramdas was. What I did know is who Timothy Leary was, and I knew he had a professor with him named Richard Alpert. That's all I knew. So I'll also add to this story that when I first started taking psychedelics, I did a ton of research to try to prepare me for what this was going to be about, you know, my teenage years. Um, and obviously it didn't, <laughs> I was like, no, but I read a lot of stuff <laughs> There's about There's no way it, to prepare, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, please, please, yeah, please. Great, it's like, you know, reading about Jamaica and being in Jamaica. It's like, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> um, but what happened was I was reading a lot of information, you know, about like MK Ultra, all of these anecdotal stories, you know, mm. 
all this stuff. And there was one story that always stuck with me to the point where I would actually retell it every experience I ever had um, with psychedelics, which was this story of this guy going up to India and giving his guru at the time um, three uh, 900 micrograms, which is a very heavy dose of Owsley acid, which is famed as mm. some of the best acid ever created. Um, mm -hmm. And essentially the story boiled down. It's a really funny story. I won't go into the whole thing, but it boils down to that it didn't have any effect on him. And mm. the takeaway was essentially that, you know, you can re reach these states of consciousness without, um, you know, other things, you know, and he eventually referred, the story actually got revealed to me much later. So they hold that in your head. So that's, I tell this story every single time I'm on psychedelics to, to all of my friends, just to point out, I don't even know why I'm saying it. So I'm at this Ram Dass right. library, walking up this staircase, um, and I see this statue, this white statue of this guy kind of like arm leaning on his arm in a funny way. And I've never had this reaction before or since where I stop in my tracks and I go, ah, well, I know this person. Like, who is right. this? Like, is this right. me? Is th I yeah. sometimes do that with my arm. Like, who is this? Like, what right. is this? What the fuck is going on? So I stop. I'm probably looking at this for like five minutes. So then I yeah. walk up the stairs and sit down on this chair in this library that's upstairs. And I start looking at these pictures. And I don't know who any of these people are. There's like four or five pictures. And I'm just like, I'm like, I know these people. Who the fuck wow. are these people? Like, what is this? Just very, very weird. So I later learned that the people in the pictures are people like Ramana Maharshi, Sri Ramakrishna, Paramahansa Yogananda, Sri Yukteswar, people who, you know, have uh, names mean things in the kind of Western intersection of, um, you know, mysticism, Vedic mysticism from India. Anyway, so now that's an experience and that's in 2004. Fast forward to 2013. I had mm -hmm. been working with Ram Dass's foundation because I saw a, a movie called Fierce Grace, which is about Ram Dass, which is a great movie, really, really an emotional, amazing movie. Um, and I, my friend was like, hey, you should listen to this podcast called uh, Duncan Trussell. And, you know, it's like, all right, I'll check it out. And there's this dude, Raghu, on. And mm -hmm. I liked the episode. I got in touch with Love Server member Ram Dass's foundation. I was like, hey, um, you know, I want to help. I do new media strategy, digital strategy. Let me, let me help you built an amazing relationship with them, found myself um, at a, at, down in Maui in 2013. They do these Ram Dass retreats where you actually go. It's an amazing place. Just Maui is, talk about vibes. That place is incredible. Mm. Um, and I'm sitting there and there's this thing called the Hanuman Chalisa, which is a fort. I know this is like a super long synchronicity, but it does line up. No, you, hey, you know what? <laughs> the, it's, you go. <laughs> 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 Thanks. So there's this thing <laughs> called the Hanuman Chalisa, which is a 40 stanza, you know, 40 verse chant to a monkey god, which I oh, wow. know how fucking insane that sounds. And that sounds <laughs> insane to me saying it now. It sounded more insane to me back then. And what ended up happening was I was on Maui, smoked a little bit of a weed. Uh, I went in, sat down in lotus position and listened to this chant. And as soon as I did, I got a striking, never in my life have I had such a psychic impression where I could actually visually see it, an image of a monkey kneeling down before a throne. And I start wow. crying and I'm not bawling. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm like, just tears are coming down my eyes. But in a way that I have kind of like a by 
two elements of my brain where there's the intellectual part going like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And then there's the other part that's just doing the thing. So I start playing with it. Like, what is going on? Can I turn the image off? Okay. It keeps coming back. Um, I keep, you know, seeing all these things. So then I'm like, okay, this is one of the weirdest experiences of my entire life. Right. I really, and I've been working with the Rombas foundation now for like a couple of years, a year and a half or so. I then start looking into this guy, Neem Karoli Baba. I realize, put it all together in that moment, within five minutes of after that experience, that the guy who I stopped with on the staircase was Neem Karoli Baba. The place was uh-huh. the Ram Dass Library. The story I had been telling my entire life about this guy who took acid and gave it to his guru and it didn't do anything was about Neem Karoli Baba. I'm in right. Maui with a chant to Hanuman, who is known as a personification of uh, uh, Neem Karoli Baba is a personification of Hanuman. This right. all just like was a cataclysmic crazy event where I was just like, holy shit. This is the weirdest thing that has ever happened to me (laughs) amongst a lot of weird things. I don't know how to explain it. From that day on, I learned the Hanuman Chalisa, uh, the 40 verse thing in another language in Hindi. And I chant it every single fucking day, every single day, because that one just blew. Like there's, there's no logical imprint. And since then, obviously, Many, many other things have confirmed this, but you know, it's weird to say I have a guru. Number one, what the fuck mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. Be right. disembodied, right? Doesn't right. even like, on this planet anymore. See right. that right. I'm not totally insane. That I, I swear right. this makes sense. But I, you know, I have these external synchronicities that lined up in such a beautiful way that like, even if I wanted to be like, fuck this, I don't believe it. It's like, nah, can't do that anymore. Direct experience yeah. trumps any conceptual understanding. So that's the synchronicity. Wow. wow. So what, that's, that's an awesome, awesome story. Thank you for sharing. What, what is your, <laughs> what is your take on that? Like, so do you feel like, uh, there is some level of, you know, that's happening to you. That's not happening to me. Is it because, uh, you know, you have some, uh, deeper connection with this, with this character, right? With this. Totally. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, and go I'll ahead. point Explain. out that it's, it's it circumvented conscious intellectualizing of this is my guru. This is something right. that I essentially f- would have fought as much as I could have conceptually, and this is this is Ramdas's famous story about you know how he accepted Neem Karoli Baba as his guru, who's another trickster. Fear. My favorite mystics, all throughout the annals of time and history, are all tricksters, pretty much. Right. They defy right. being pinned down by conventions of how they should act and why they're doing things. Um, and right. that to me is an amazing energy that is really you know a playful, benevolent, loving <laughs> type it, of yeah. energy. Um, and you know, I I just. Yeah, I, I do think it's a resonance thing. I mean, I like referencing that Vedic astrology thing. You know, one of the things that popped up in it that I thought was interesting is she was like, listen, there's this, I forget which specifically which planet it was, but she's like, this is the guru. Notice how literally every single aspect of your chart is in this one area. This likely means that in previous lives, um, you know, you had some connection to what you're doing and any guru you may have in this life, which to be told that independent of these things was like, mm. okay, yeah, that does. I do begrudgingly accept that that is maybe yeah. what's going on. It's like, 
I like, I'm a, like, I can't stress this enough. Like as, as deep as I am into all this stuff and talking about gurus and psychedelics and all these things, like I'm a Miami dolphins fan, you know, right, I like right. doing regular shit that everyone else does as part of right. culture too. I like Netflix and Hulu and HBO and all these things. So you got, you, know, you got gurus really, and Hulu. Exactly. Guru and Hulu. There we go. We got a, we got a name for our next show. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I, I do exactly. think it's a resonance thing. You know, and I think um, when the time is right, this is this is I believe true for psychedelics, for gurus, for any important transitional figures in your life. You are not going to find them; they will find you, and it will make right. sense when it happens. And if that's not a satisfying thing, and that sounds like, well, sure, he's saying that because he had something <laughs> I never had. It's like just know and believe and have faith, which I know is a tricky thing. That when the time is right, you will absolutely get the answers you're looking for and when the student is ready the teacher appears right exactly exactly so what does that entail then okay so you you identify yourself as having this guru um so what does that entail for you uh how how does that uh, affect your life you've you've got the the (sighs) chant that you're doing daily well, yeah, I do the daily chant, um, even sometimes when I don't want to, which in itself, a 40 line chant becomes a mindfulness practice because what ends up happening right. is as you're saying something in another language, you're having 20 other different thoughts as you're doing it. And you're like, oh shit, that's weird. Like, how does that mm. happening that I'm having all these thoughts and still chanting this thing in another language? Um, from a day to day, you know, outside of the chant, that's kind of a reminder Um, you know, if I get into a sticky situation and I'm praying, I have a guru at this point who I'm happy to, um, you know, speak to in a way that I think Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, I'm not Mm going to ask for like some little thing like, Hey, you know, like I'd really like like a a guardian angel or spirit guide or something. Very similar. And in the same way, I'm open to all of those energies that, you know, are here to help and guide and support. Like I, this isn't, you know, I have one and that's it. Um, I don't, I also very much identify with the Tibetan Buddhist lineage and do not find any of these things to be mutually exclusive. Um, Padmasambhava, mm-hmm. um, you know, Chogyam Trungpa, I don't consider my guru, but Padmasambhava, I do consider a guru um, mm-hmm. uh, in Tibetan Buddhism. So, you know, these things aren't mutually exclusive. It's a remembrance thing. It's also um, a template and a way to access certain concepts like surrender and faith and um, unconditional love in a, in a real way. Um, and also to kind of push you through the spiritual ringer too. Like the community that you know has surrounded Neem Karoli Baba has often been referred to as dysfunctional, not in like a crippling way, but in a way like you're going to work through your karma pretty fucking quickly. Like the way I would describe it is when you, when you latch onto an energy that's going to be, you know, lifting you up and showing you things, it's like when you go to the airport and you're walking down, you know, the terminal and then you get on one of those things, you know, the moving walkways, you're getting on a moving walkway and it's going pretty quickly. So just be prepared for that a transition and knowing that you're going to be working through some of this shit, maybe a little bit more intensely and quickly than you thought you were signing up for. But you know, day to day, it's not like some crazy thing. I used to wear, um, a pendant around my neck for a year or so with his image, but I don't really totally do the, the kind of stuff that comes, you know, I don't put on bracelets and necklaces anymore. I don't need that. I think as long as I can remember it, um, I don't need that functionality that I'm advertising this and, you know, it's not something I volunteer all of the time, but yeah, it's a part of my life and I, 
you know, <laughs> I certainly accept it at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a good point that you make. I, I For me, never having that sort of experience or guru, you know, that I relate to or, you know, at this point in my journey anyway, um, it uh, that's one thing from kind of looking at it from the outside looking in is like it seems like something to be very careful of where it doesn't turn into sort of like this worship sort of thing oh, where this God. person is like you know needs to be worshipped and they're somehow personality. right right yeah. right dude dude this is such an important thing and and one of the things let's just be very clear and we spoke about it a little bit with Chokim Trungpa a lot of times these very wise people will come from India and other places. And they really are tuned into something. But what they're not prepared for is young white women throwing themselves at them sexually. And it really fucks a lot of people up and can change the dynamics and some of the wisdom that's being transmitted. And so like the guru worship, I'm lucky in some sense that I had such a direct experience through the synchronicities that I accepted it just fully. I can't. I I, I wanted to rail against it. Couldn't. But second of all, you don't have a body. Yeah, yeah, that helps. I don't have to like, you know what I mean? Like I really had that. And I think anytime you're really worshiping a in-body guru, you should be very, very well versed with what that means and what function yeah. like, you know, in Tibetan Buddhism, again, guru yoga is considered like the most accelerated course to enlightenment. So it is a very substantial mm. practice, but it's also you know, fraught with pitfalls and disasters, especially for Westerners, if they just think that it's like, oh, well, this is my guru. I don't have to do anything. They'll take care of it, you know, or I'm super into this. I do whatever this person says. Like, that's Buddha. No one advised doing that. They said, try this shit out for yourself. If it makes sense, if it works for you, then maybe start believing what I'm saying. But don't just take my word for it. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah, that's a great point, man. Super, super, super important. Well, Noah, this has been absolutely fascinating. You are a fascinating character indeed. Uh, certainly worthy <laughs> of uh, the birthday week uh, <laughs> crown. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I look forward to uh, continuing to collaborate and joining uh, MindPod Network and coming on your show uh, here in the near future. And um, yeah, the best. So the best way for people to connect, of course, through. Uh, through your podcast, I'm assuming, right? Through what is your website? Yeah, through my podcast, uh, it's Sync Podcast S Y N C Podcast dot com. There's MindPod Network. Um, there's a dot there's, com as well. Those huh? two places, yeah, 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 exactly. And those places will point you to anywhere you need to go. I'm also on Twitter, but just be warned that when football season rolls around, you will get inundated <laughs> with Miami <laughs> Dolphins commentary and spaz out. So, oh man, well, yeah. I might have to chime in and, and celebrate with you when uh, the Dolphins uh, hit a home run. <laughs> i'm always that asshole that like comes in and makes a smart ass comment about you know oh yay the team scored a scored a basket and they're like dude this is football you know i was so into it i was so into sports as a kid and i played a lot of sports and i would i remember i would cry i grew up in virginia and you know redskins were the team and and i was a cowboys totally, fan man. and if and they had the big rivalry and if cowboys i remember one time cowboys losing to redskins and just bawling my eyes out. And now I look back and I'm thinking, hey, these guys aren't sitting around watching my life making me rich. Like, let, let oh, me yeah. go and like, you know, go, go do. Oh, I, I, I just, it's, 
Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be. But, you know, if it's ever on around me, any of it, uh, because I I love playing sports, I I have always enjoyed them. So if I'm ever happen to be around someone who's who's watching, you know, sports, it's very easy for me to get sucked in. And and so I do enjoy it when I watch it. So I grew up in the D.C. area, not to belabor the point here, but I grew up in the D.C. area. um, Oh, near, near each other then. Yeah, pretty close. So I think it's hilarious that you're a Cowboys fan in Redskins country. Not that it's a bad choice. Just to be clear, Redskins the worst. I'm a Dolphins fan. I grew up there. I know. Trust me. But that's that's really funny, man. Yeah, yeah. It was (laughs) a big deal. Well, you know, when I was a kid too, they were both like really good teams. And, you know, uh, so it was this huge rivalry. I don't know if it still is, but back in the day, it was definitely a rivalry. So. To maybe the Redskins who want to seem relevant, it is. I think Cowboys are just like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, dude. This is awesome. Uh, well, you've been uh, incredible to connect with Noah. I look forward to uh, to connecting, as I mentioned, in the future and uh, continuing to, um, yeah, just uh, grow, learn, share uh, through such similar synchronistic circumstances with you. I do have one last question I'd like to leave you with. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in this, I always open typically with the same question, end with the same question. In 60 seconds or less, what is the meaning of life according to Noah Lampert? Um, such a great question, man. Don't start the timer until I start talking. Um, (laughs) truthfully, I really just think it's to discover why we're here and to, you know, elaborate just briefly within the 60 seconds. Um, it's to go through the issues, process the things that you are dealing with in a way that helps you, helps everyone around you and really tap into the meaning of service um, for the benefit of all mm. sentient beings. That's, that's what yeah. it's about. I agree. I always say, you know, you'll find your, your purpose through serving others because there are no others. And, uh, that's ultimately, <laughs> that. yeah, it's ultimately the, the path in some way, shape or form for all of us. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Noah. It's been a true pleasure, my friend, uh, until we connect again, journey. Well, you rule. Thank you. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, Your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world, Because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life. Because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, By all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. (laughs) Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.